Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. You and I, in previous podcasts, have mentioned, maybe it's just me, that I wanted to see Cronenberg movies and, like, heard he was weird body horror stuff. And so, it has happened. It has happened. I think that was just you. Yeah. I always say, whenever we see weird body horror stuff, I'm like, oh, that's like David Cronenberg things that I've never seen. So I don't know about it. And now, I guess I know about it. Now we know about it. Uh, What do you think? Are you like way into it? I was expecting crazy, surreal weirdness that Uh I didn't understand and lots of body horror. What I got was 30 seconds of body horror. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Are you going to tell them what Cronenberg movie you watched? What if they guess and I'll tell them if they got it right? Like a hot or cold game? Sure. I don't think that will work. Colder. (laughs) (laughs) We watched The Brood from 1979. Yes. A classic, I've heard, I think. I don't know. I've heard the name many times. I mean, it feels like the kind of movie that would become some kind of weird cult classic. Sure. Because people are weird. People are weird. And this movie was even weirder. People are weird, so they should have therapy. Should it be like some kind of odd two-man play that results in like the physical manifestation of one's internal chaos appearing as boils all over one's face that's a really specific ask just saying that is instead of the traditional random murder that we get at the beginnings of movies this one did open with what appeared to be a two-man play starring william shatner and and (laughs) zach Zach galifianakis it didn't though really no it didn't those were not who they were they just looked like them but it wasn't a play. It was like a demo of his psychiatric techniques, I guess. It, w- it was like, I mean, it was like real therapy. Like that was a therapy session for the one guy, the guy who wanted the doctor to be his daddy. Well, okay. I don't think that's accurate. I think from all the rest of the movie that that's the doctor's thing. Like his therapy is that he plays as a character from your life that you interact with and it's always it's always as creepy as possible it's so tell daddy what you want okay here's the thing though i think a lot of that was like actual therapy methods from the The 70s actual 70s like i legitimately think so like there was this whole role-playing thing that he did where he would start conversations and you could tell he was like asking questions and like leading the person Mm -hmm. into either embracing something within themselves that they had been avoiding. Or if he couldn't get them to do it directly, 
then he would take on the role of them and make them be the other person until they were like upset enough to engage with their own emotions it it was weird and creepy and felt inappropriate but also i was like yeah this feels accurate like i bet this was really done yeah it had a very 70s feel all throughout this was this movie was mired deep in the dirty 70s yeah deep and and just reinforced the idea that every movie that comes out of the 70s is just straight up misogyny and and horribleness yeah so that little play that they did where he was his daddy there's so much for us to get from that and one thing is my note on it was real misogynistic and i don't remember why because spoiler i guess this isn't really a spoiler we watched this movie like a week and a half ago (laughs) and so we're not doing a good job right now well okay i also had the note that the play that they were putting on was just swimming in misogyny and i put a little in parentheses Little girls are weak. So it was that his dad, like the doctor was playing his dad and his dad was berating him for being weak like a little girl. Yeah, there was a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. And like telling him he should change his name to. Oh, right. His name was Mike. And he was like, Michelle, you're Michelle now. Yeah. He was going to call him Michelle and like just, yeah, it was gross. Yeah, there was, there was a whole thing that, that definitely felt very 70s. So then from there, we get to the idea of what this therapy involved. And clearly, they never give us any details on this. But it's clearly some kind of drug these patients are injected with, which has the effect of taking their mental chaos and projecting it into physical injury of sort of. Some kind of physical manifestation. Because with the guy who's on the stage at the beginning he gets like these boils all over his face but then with the woman at the end like she's able to turn her anger into little rage babies that run around in the world killing <laughs> yeah. people like that seems it's just a wide-ranging i'm just gonna it's say experimental psychoplasmics has a broad mm-hmm. broad spectrum of uses interestingly this is not the first movie i've seen with that premise although it is the oldest movie i've seen with that premise so they were probably ripping this movie off wait with the premise of physical manifestation yeah your 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 emotions become physical yeah i mean i think that's a fairly like common like reasonable thing reasonable in the sense that like it's not a huge leap to get to like hey what if yeah you know i mean your your brain can manifest you know physical issues with your body not usually little kids in snowsuits but you never (laughs) know know. that was one of the other like most 70s aspects of it is that all these kids were wearing like i don't even know how to describe them other than very very 70s snowsuits they were the uh christmas story snowsuits where you get stuck on a pole with your tongue (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um it it caused me some Minor flashbacks to my own childhood where, like, snow pants were one of the most traumatizing things of my childhood. I hated yeah. them so much. The the, the, <laughs> the bulkiness the and the shape of them and the, the noise was intolerable. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that at school, because I grew up in northern Minnesota, there were huge chunks of the year 
where they would make you go outside for a recess and it's like 10 below mm-hmm. because they didn't keep us in unless it was 20 below. And you had to put on your boots and put on your snow pants or die and like hats, gloves, mitten. Like you had, there were all these requirements for how you dressed for recess. Yeah. I have very strong reactions to how certain clothing feels and snow boots and snow pants are two of the things that cause me like actual <laughs> physical discomfort in my like chest and stomach. That, there you go. Yeah. Your emotions became yeah. physical. Yeah. Just like Jan, who is a guy. So again, we're running into that guys with girls names. I'm pretty sure his name is supposed to be Jan, but they all called him Jan. Anyway, he was doing psychoplasmics as well. And for him, it caused a... Uh, lymphosarcoma his lymph nodes grew grotesquely that was a little bit of body horror yeah i mean i think sort of the kids are like the little rage monsters in the (laughs) snowsuits like their faces were supposed to be yeah creepy i mean they were mildly deformed it was that they looked like little like little old ladies (laughs) no not even they looked like middle-aged karens that is terrifying But the size of, like, eight-year-olds in snowsuits. (laughs) They just swarm around you going, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. I want to see a manager. (laughs) That that would be a good remake. Yeah, it it was so weird. There's a through story here that's not just, like, weirdness. Mm -hmm. We have the story of... Nola, who is like the main character, she's like the the woman who makes the rage monsters later. But she's seeing Dr. Raglan, or she's under his psychiatric care because she had like an abusive childhood and now she's being abusive toward her daughter or is afraid that she's going to or that I don't know I don't exactly know. what happened. There's a divorce going on. Right. Frank is divorcing Nola supposedly because of he doesn't trust her around their daughter, Candace. So, like, there's this whole through story of uh, Nola being mad that Frank is taking Candace away from her, but, like, the doctor trying to help Nola process her abusive childhood so that she can be a better mother. Because I think she does want to be a better, better mother, but also she's pretty messed up like yeah. in terms well, of how she interacts with the world. Up. But at the beginning, Frank is upset because Candace somehow was visiting her mother at in the psychiatric care facility and maybe was left alone with her. Maybe that was the problem because I can't imagine that he didn't yeah. know she was there at the facility. Yeah, he was saying that she... Like it was visitation things. She she would get to come and visit with her, and he didn't like that because he didn't get to go visit her. And he's right. like, no, but you can't. It would ruin her therapy. But it was okay. Like he just dropped his daughter off for the weekend <laughs> to what? Like <laughs> hang out with the therapists, except for when she was supposed to be spending time with her mother. Like the know. whole idea was weird. Yes. But he gets her his daughter back. And she's got all these bruises all over her back. And so Mm -hmm. he thinks Nola was abusing her. It turns out later, like, she was staying... Was she staying with all the rage monsters? Were the rage monsters hitting her? I mean... Was she, like, in the bunk bedroom? Because there were dozens of these (laughs) snowsuit kids. There were. And they just kept coming. And then they, they only lived a few days or a week or whatever. And so they get replaced. But weird situation that was one of my notes was that 
this room full of bunk beds, the doctor had to have built all these bunk beds for these mutant kids. I don't know. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. But we never really are told where the bruises come from. She doesn't talk about it. And so I think it's supposed to be implied that it's the mutant kids, but, but I don't know. But maybe it was Nola. I They never would yeah. hurt her that during the parts we saw. They, no. they would like set her aside from all other things and then try to take her back to Nola. Right, because the whole point of them was they were trying, like Nola was mad that Frank was taking her daughter away from her. And so they were trying to get her back. Yeah. What I thought was going on was that we were going to find out that the psychoplasmics were like, I don't know, airborne or something. And mm. she had inadvertently gotten some and was, you know, her emotions were bruising her, mm. which would have been interesting. Yeah. Well, except that I don't know if it was airborne. I think it was more like it was, oh, at the time I was like, oh, it's genetic, but it, it's not genetic because it was a medicine. Was it a medicine or was it they just that some people have, I, I thought it was just that some people have this ability oh. and Nola like way had it more than anyone else. Cause that was that one guy who was all mad that he wasn't getting enough attention from the doctor. And then he was trying to get Frank to be his dad. Yeah. And he was mad cause he was like, Oh, Nola's the golden child. Like Nola gets all the attention because she can do it better than the rest of us. Yeah. That was Michelle. So here's the thing I, though. I, I never considered that. I figured he was injecting them with something and then doing therapy. No, because at the end I was like, oh, it's genetic because the last thing you see is that Candace has things on it. Like she has some kind of, I don't remember if it was like a boil oh, yeah, or a yeah, growth. She, I think it was like a little growth. But maybe from the mutant kids biting her, they infected her with it. Maybe, but I, I don't. I think it was I think it was a genetic thing that Nola just was really good at it and so Candace also is because Candace was really upset and so then she Weirdly, was manifesting her emotions. Don't know what she was on upset her arm. about. Yeah. I don't know. It was the whole thing was very like I don't know, it was something. It was something. <laughs> it was something. You're right. Some of my notes here are about a conversation Frank had with someone where he or they were talking about how, you know how hard it was going to be for him to get custody of Candace because quote the law believes in motherhood. I wrote that down too. And like the whole conversation was about like women are crazy, but but even so, they're still she's still going to get custody because what it's are you going to do? Men's the, rights movie. It was. I was like, it was very much like oh. The world is pitted against poor, poor men. Yeah. And it was weird, though, because later I was like, Frank is one of the only rational people in this movie. Yeah. He wasn't a bad guy. Like, I don't think he was the one who was all like, <laughs> yeah, women are he, crazy. He was just trying to take he care of his daughter. He was just being told that. Yeah. In fact, he wanted to get back with Nola for a while. And then... He watched her lick her rage monster baby clean, and I think it, he changed his yeah, mind. Yeah, but to be fair, she didn't start with the licking. She started with biting open the sack, the fleshy sack that it was growing from, and yeah. then licking it clean when she pulled yeah. it out. Yeah. The whole thing <laughs> was horrific. Okay. I bet if we looked at IMDb, there would be a goof about the fact that they made a huge deal when they found... Oh. One of the rage monsters in the house uh -huh. 
murdering people and they caught it and they like it died and then they did the autopsy and they were like, oh, what's the biggest thing that you notice here? No belly button. And they're uh-huh. like, what? And then later, these things are being born from amniotic sacs that are like hanging off of Nola and she tears it open with her teeth and like these kids would have belly buttons. They don't. They work no. a different way. No. I I don't know. No. They they work different. It's a goof. It's not somebody a goof. messed they up. They work different and you don't know. Somebody messed up. One thing you will find if you look on IMDb is here's a fun fact. Okay. This movie was created when David Cronenberg was going through a big divorce, and he made this movie to deal with that issue. Oh, yeah. So do you understand now? The law supports motherhood. (laughs) Why it's so angry at the woman involved? I mean, really, what I wrote down was, like, the, the message that I got from that whole scene was, ladies are crazy and dangerous. True. Like, it was just straight up that... It wasn't a hidden message. It was a very <laughs> overt hidden. message. Yeah. But everyone in this movie was terrible. Like Grandma Julian, who is Nola's mom, is like babysitting Candy or is supposed to be babysitting Candy while Frank goes to work. And when as Frank's dropping her off, she's just like throwing back brandies. <laughs> yes. She's like, oh, let grandma have one more drink and well, then we'll do whatever. And I'm like, oh, the 70s. Ladies are crazy and dangerous is the yes. thing now. And it's funny because then she ends up getting murdered by a snowsuited kid with a hammer. Yep. Uh, With a meat tenderizer. Oh, right. A meat Mm -hmm. tenderizer. She gets tenderized. That's actually what my note says. (laughs) She does get tenderized. But both she and Candace have like zero reaction to the weird, scary things they're seeing. Like when she sees little snowsuit kid coming for her, she's just like, man, whatever. And then gets murdered. And then when Candace comes and sees her body, she's like, huh, grandma's dead, I guess. Yeah. And it was like, I, my note was like, it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where he's directed all these people to not have emotions. And it's throughout the movie. It was. Yeah. All of the characters were so flat. They just didn't react to anything. All the dialogue was sort of deadpan. Yeah. It was... I know I've used this word multiple times already, but it was so weird. So weird. Again, it was a while ago, so I don't know why I wrote, Dr. Raglan is super creepy, but mostly by proxy. (laughs) I thought Dr. Raglan was super creepy. He definitely was, but I'm not sure why it was by proxy. I don't know. Another example of like very flat acting, which possibly came from the fact that they probably filmed it in two separate scenes mm. was the classroom scene where the teacher gets murdered by the yeah. the snowsuited monsters. It's Candy's teacher. So it's like a room full of, I don't know, second graders, third graders. Yeah. They looked like kindergartners or like it looked like a kindergarten set up room, but it was back in the seventies. So they were probably in like third grade <laughs> because we now expect kindergartners yeah. to do third grade level work to do calculus. But like there were all these little kids and they were coming in from outside, and it was cold, so they were all wearing snowsuits. Scary. And they're all taking their snowsuits off and getting ready for class. And pretty soon, there's a bunch of kids all sitting at the tables, and there's still like three or four kids, air quotes, 
in snowsuits. And then they sneak up and, or they, you know, get like block hammers or something like that. And then they go and murder the teacher while all of the other kids just sit in their desks and watch. And just kind of go, oh, we're getting out early. Right. Like, (laughs) huh, that's happening. Yeah. But the reason the kids weren't concerned is these hammers they were using. They were the little hammers you use to hammer different shapes through different shaped holes, Mm -hmm. which means they are super lightweight wood. Yeah, they're made out of like balsa wood. You would have to be Superman to inflict harm with these things. (laughs) Like you hit yourself with them, you just, nothing happens. But they're rage monsters, so they did murder that teacher. Yeah, they are the children of her rage. Mm Mm-hmm. We find all of that out when Frank goes to the sanitarium to try to save Candy because he realizes that Candy's the only kid who's not in the classroom when all the parents are called back to be like, hey, you should probably pick up your kid. (laughs) They just watched their teacher get murdered, which was a more shocking and unexpected thing back in 1979. It Um, used to be rare. So, like, he goes to the sanitarium, he's going to save Candy, and we find out that, like, there's a whole dormitory full of these rage monsters, and they are holding Candy hostage, and Mm -hmm. their emotions are all based on what Nola is feeling. They do whatever she wants. So when she starts to get agitated, they start to, like, get angry and try to hurt something. So he's trying to keep her calm. Because he doesn't watch the he doesn't want the rage monsters to hurt Candace. Mm-hmm. And it just I don't I don't even know what to say about this movie other than just explain it because it is madness. It's madness. Again, not the madness I expected. Like it it, it feels and looks like a very prosaic seventies thriller. But it is insane and random stuff that happens. But, like, I wouldn't call this, like, a trippy, crazy movie. It was just, like, I don't know, kind of blah, like, the emotions of the people in it. You know, like, they're like, oh, these little snowsuit kids are killing people. And it's like, they didn't leap across the room and get you. They Mm -hmm. just kind of came up and just started beating you. And it was so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they were not scary monsters. Well, and they, they, like piled on Dr. Raglan eventually and killed him and they were chasing Candace. They did try to hurt Candace because eventually Nola being a crazy and dangerous woman, untrustworthy said, I will kill Candace before I will let you take her. And again, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is the product of this guy's, messy divorce and custody battle right like totally and i don't know maybe his wife said those words to him which would be pretty traumatic and you know sure but then putting it in the movie and it's sort of like this is women right women will do this i suspect she said nothing like that and that's what he (laughs) heard (laughs) that is very possible because she is not entirely sane she decides she's real crazy yeah she decides she's going to kill candace rather than let frank take her away which is not rational thinking and so then the rage monsters are trying to attack candy and so you know she ends up in a closet somewhere crouched in the corner being attacked by these monsters until frank 
kills his crazy wife, like he obviously has to do. You gotta do it. Which is surprisingly easy because he just has to strangle her. Yeah. And then all the monsters stop and Candace is safe, but she's super traumatized. Weird. Yeah. I don't know why. And then, of course, we discover her psychoplasmic ability, I guess. Yeah. Uh, One of my notes was after Frank kills his wife, he goes to find Candace and gets her. And she's like literally balled up in the corner of a room. She has her hands over her face. She is so traumatized. And he comes in and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't Mm -mm. like say her name. He's not (laughs) like, it's okay. Daddy's here. It's all good. The monsters have gone. Like he's not being gentle in any way he just comes in and like pulls her hands down away from her face picks her up and like carries her out of the room like like a sack of potatoes because he's a heroic man Ugh. Ugh. no wonder candace starts growing rage babies on her arm Mm-hmm. you think those are maybe they're extra small rage babies because she's smaller and so they're like <laughs> that makes me think of the recent Ghostbusters movie where there's all the little tiny um, marshmallow men swarming all over the equipment, the like ghost busting equipment. They were real cute though. And these guys were not cute. They were little piggy people. Here's the thing though. Small things are cute, but then you get too many of a small cute thing and it stops being cute and it starts being scary. Mm -hmm. And that has been true for me since like very early on when I thought I was going to teach kindergarten and I'm like, kindergartners are fantastic. But there are way more of them than there are of all me. in snow suits. Right. Like I legitimately always kind of had this fear of like, if the kids I teach ever realized that there are so many more of them than there are of me, like yeah. that's a scary thing in a kindergarten classroom. Just going to say, uh, yeah, I get it. But also recently we watched, we've seen several TikToks about like turtles and things where there's way too many turtles and it becomes a problem. Yeah. It doesn't really become a problem for the people involved, but just looking at it, it's so creepy. It's like a swarm of roly polies. Yeah. You're like, oh, a turtle. Turtles are cute. (gasps) Look, five turtles. Five turtles are cuter. (laughs) Oh, there's like 20 turtles there. That's 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 too many turtles. (laughs) The classic too many turtles problem. Too many rage monsters. Ratings. I feel like I've said most of the things I need to say about this movie. And I also feel like it's fairly clear how I felt about this movie. It was bizarre. I felt like I was in Bizarro World. That being said, it was Kind of an interesting, bizarre world roller coaster ride through this movie. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the thing about Cronenberg films is they're just bizarro like that. And, and it there is some kind of entertainment to be found there. I think if you watch this movie purely with a like, I'm going to ride this roller coaster kind of mentality. And you're just, just going to go along and just let it be what it is and just experience it there's something about that like i think people could enjoy that i also think that this movie was trying to have more underlying message somehow about his divorce well about like therapy and trauma and emotional distress and all of that i you know i mean it was definitely there 
whether it was intentional and like trying to have a message about it or whether it was unintentional because he was experiencing all kinds of emotional turmoil. I don't know. And I don't like, if you try to watch this movie from a, you know, how deep is it? And what can I take out of this in terms of a, a, a thoughtful message? It's a movie written by a depressed man in the late seventies. <laughs> like it's not a message that's, relevant or appropriate anymore, I don't think. Not to say that his pain isn't pain that people still experience, but we have moved past mm-hmm. that some a little bit. Some of us have? I don't know. Some of us. So anyway, I'm surprising myself even in giving this movie three egg yolk sack fuel tanks out of five, because I was baffled by so much that happened in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So many of the choices that were made left my jaw just hanging open, right? Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. But also, I didn't hate that I watched this movie. <laughs> it, Good, it's, I guess. It's definitely one where, like, I might make other people watch this movie just so I can watch them watch this movie. And it would definitely be one where I'd be like, all right, we're going to talk through this. So (laughs) I want to hear what you're thinking every step of the way as you experience this film, because it doesn't really matter if you pay attention. Like, it's not worth that. Well, I just had a revelation when you were talking about the mental troubles of the guy making the movie. And I realized, you know, this movie comes from the pit of the 70s, where everything is aesthetically broken and just Mm. yikes. Mm. You know, we always talk about, oh, look at the carpets in the 70s and the colors they painted their walls and stuff. But we separate that from everything else as if it's unrelated. It's not. For someone to like puke green carpet, there's something shag. wrong with puke them. Puke green shag carpet. Yes. With like like burnt orange <laughs> accents. <laughs> yeah. In a room that's pink. It's like, <laughs> right. No, in a room that has a lot of dark wood paneling. <laughs> well, everything has dark wood paneling, yeah. So there's clearly something wrong with everyone in the 70s. And, you know, there's something to be said for the whole leaded fuel thing. And oh, that they were all yeah. huffing lead inadvertently. Because so. at the same time that all that stuff was happening with, like, decor and appliances that had come in yeah. avocado and, yeah. you know, whatever... The clothing at that time also. I'm mm-hmm. like, what are these color schemes? What is with the turtlenecks? Why do we have so many stripes where all the, like there's 17 <laughs> colors in this sweater. Every stripe is a different color and none of these colors go with any of the other colors. Like, How do you manage that with 17 right? colors? Do you know how hard you have to work to make an outfit <laughs> clash as hard as outfits clashed in the 70s? Yeah. They're probably exactly. all just hopped up on lead. Lead. So. And now those people are all in charge of our country. Oh, they sure are. Yeah. Okay. So that, anyway. No, that got really dark and now I'm very upset. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you gonna are you gonna make a rage baby? Maybe. Or just get boils on your face? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. But that is the deal with the seventies pit. Yeah. That's the deal. Yeah. Is it's you, you can't separate those things. It's all crazy. And this is right in there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is 
two egg yolk fuel sacks out of five. It's not terrible, but it's, I mean, it's right there in the, in the 70s pit. And so it's like, it tries to be, I don't even know if it tries to be scary. It sort of tries to be scary, but it's not scary. Like this is, these are ridiculous little snowsuit kids running around hitting people with hammers. And it's just so, I don't know, like impactless up until the big body horror Mm -hmm. moment at the end, which is certainly, that's very gross. Mm -hmm. But other than that and her performance in that scene where she is full on crazy and doing Mm. weird stuff, like that all works. But why is that just one little fragment of this whole silliness that's going on? So I thought it was really dumb. But I can understand your your desire to make other people watch it and see what they do. I mean, right, it was dumb, but it was dumb in that, like, I can't look away from this kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's my opinion. It's like when, when you, you know, you get the milk out of the fridge and it is absolutely no longer drinkable. It is super sour, makes you gag when you smell it. And you have to take it to another person and be like, smell this. Uh-huh. That's how this movie feels to me. Yeah. And in the 70s, they would have been like, this is how milk is supposed to taste. <laughs> they, they had like jello molds with hot dogs in them. Yes. Yeah. The 70s were a very upsetting time. Deeply. A blight on our country and our planet. So let's get out of the 70s pit and okay. go anywhere else. That does make me realize that um, when we were choosing the movie this week, you were like, what do you want to watch? And I said, it has to be something that takes place before 2000. Is that what I said? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So like, I mean, you went way before 2000. (laughs) But I, yeah, I kind of brought this upon myself. We'll find a different decade for next week. Great. Let's go. Woo! Bye, everybody. I mean, and my cookie. My cookie tastes good. I, I'm eating my cookie because I'm in the cookie hood.